he uh, indicated that he was trapped in the back of a garbage truck that had uh, been compacted with him in, in the back. You don't expect it to be you responding to that call? You can't plan that scenario out. From Boston 25 News, this is First on Scene, a podcast about the people who run toward danger, about those who become heroes in our darkest hour. Thanks for joining us for this episode of First on Scene, where we talk with first responders about what they see every single day. You know, typically these first responders know exactly what they're headed to based on the 911 call or the phone call they get into emergency dispatch. They usually know where they're going. They usually know what they're dealing with to some capacity, but not in this case. This was a truly fascinating call they recently had in Burlington. And we have a few people here in our podcast studios here at Boston 25 today joining us to talk about this and walk us through that. And one of the people joining us from Burlington Police, Sergeant Thomas Carlson. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. So take me back to this call. What, what did it come in as? Uh, the initial call came in as a silent 911 call, meaning the phone rang and there was no one on the other, on the other side speaking to our desk officer. It happens somewhat frequently, but typically we're able to get somebody on the, on the line fairly quickly. Uh, it wasn't so in this case. It took several minutes just to find out what we had. It was six or seven minutes, right? Uh, seven minutes, yep. And what happened at that time? Uh, we were trying to uh, go off the cell phone location from the 911 call just to try to get a, a car in the area of whatever might be going on, which we had no idea at the time what so, was happening. So at this point, you're using resources to try to find what may be nothing. Correct. Because you have to find out. We have to, we have to find out. And if somebody is in need that can't communicate with us, we need to be able to try to reach them and, and provide them the resources that they need. In your line of work, six or seven minutes, that's a long time. It's an eternity. Uh, so much can happen in a, in a short period of time such as six to seven minutes. In this case, did you have any reason to believe it was anything concerning? Not at the, not at the time of the initial call. Okay. So then at seven minutes, what happens then? You get another phone call back, right? Uh, yeah. The uh, desk officer was able to make contact uh, with the victim. He uh, indicated that he was trapped in the back of a garbage truck that had uh, been compacted twice already with him in, in the back. That's crazy. It, it was completely out of the ordinary. So at that point, Knowing that this initial call came in seven minutes ago, I got to believe that was really concerning. It, it, it was difficult. It was difficult. And we had no idea, no way of telling where exactly he was when we finally made contact with him. So what would you do at that point? And, and he didn't know where he was, obviously. He, he did not. Um, the initial, the initial uh, cell phone uh, location came in as Cambridge Street, which is the main road going through the center of town. Uh, not a real good... Um, a good close location that we could bank on and he was able to um and we just had to send cars to that area to try to find any garbage trucks in the area any garbage truck we i directed the uh responding officers just to stop any garbage truck they could find that sounds like almost impossible to figure out it, it, at that point it was like looking for a needle in a haystack what did the guy sound like on the phone when he was saying i mean i'm just thinking about being stuck in a garbage truck that's being compacted mm-hmm he was, you could definitely tell he was in pain and that uh, he was scared. Back up a little bit. Mm -hmm. How did he end up in that garbage truck? Uh, he had climbed into a recycling uh, container behind a, a strip mall in town and uh, gone to sleep overnight. Also joining me here today and play, who played a critical role in what happened next 
Captain Andrew Connerty, and Firefighter Paul Cadillac. Thank you both also for being here. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks. So when did you all get involved in this? Uh, well, ahead, Paul. well I'll, I'll start after uh, the police were handling it on their end, trying to figure out what was going on. Then they had dispatched us, uh, Sergeant, I don't remember what time that was at, roughly, uh, from when you guys initially talked. It was It was about uh, about 20 minutes, 25 minutes after the initial call. So they, they were working on trying to locate wow. locate the victim. Then, I mean, it's it was really incredible that they were able to pinpoint down and find out where he was so they were working on that on their end then once they did have a location they they dispatched us i was on uh the engine uh driving the engine so they dispatched our engine and our ambulance to go down to the scene um we arrived on scene and sergeant carlson told me that there's a guy in that truck so the truck's about 15 feet or so up uh, to get into the container where he was um, it was snowing that night uh, it was still dark as it was early in the morning um, so made for some challenges. Um, so we, we threw a ladder. I'd climbed up the ladder and had my flashlight on my coat, and I'm, I'm looking around. I'm saying, where is this guy? And then I saw a little piece of cardboard moving, and I said, oh, geez, there he is. So I had to get have the guys grab another ladder and then put the ladder in the truck and climb down to get to him. So my initial concern, because I couldn't see him, was is this guy suffocating because he's surrounded by cardboard that had been compressed by a hydraulic piston. Mm-hmm you know, along with him. So I was able to get enough away from his face to, to talk to him. Um, the two guys that were on the ambulance, um, Firefighter Keen and Firefighter Grenier, they also came into the truck with me. And the three of us sat there for probably a good 45 minutes to an hour pulling cardboard to try to free him Doing up. Doing anything you could. Yeah, just to right. get, you know, so we could get him out of that situation. Sergeant, to back up, how did you eventually find where this garbage truck was? Uh, two things happened almost simultaneously. Uh, I, I pinged the cell phone, which gave us a more exact location, and put him in a shopping plaza in town. And the, uh, the way the ping works is it triangulates the location of the cell phone, and it got us down to within 200 feet of, the, uh, of where the cell phone was located. And also at that time, uh, we had stopped a trash truck from this same company, Crescio Trucking, further down the street, and he contacted their driver, who in turn checked the back of his truck and found the individual. What did that driver think? Uh, to say he was concerned would be an understatement. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, he, he, was, uh, he was rattled. Okay, so going back to mm. the fire department perspective, when you all get this initial call, what are you thinking? I mean, I know you're trained to respond, and your training does kick in, but I mean, in your gut, when you're hearing someone stuck in the back of a trash truck. Uh, I mean, my, my first thought, I was like, did I hear that correctly? <laughs> when it came over through dispatch, and they dispatched us for a, a man trapped in the back of a trash truck. I'm going, did, did I hear that right? I was like, did they, did they say what I thought they said? Sure. And then, you know, and some, sometimes we get dispatched to calls and it's not, uh, you know, it, it might be for one thing and it ends up turning out to be something else, but this is very unique in that sense. So the whole time there, I'm going, what, what are we going to be rolling into you know um captain so. what were you thinking when you all how, how do you respond to something like this uh well originally those guys were dispatched and i was i didn't go and uh, I, I didn't know what to think of, I, I just assumed a guy got uh the truck backed into a guy and he was hurt um and then after a little while i got called to go down there you know why, why do I need to go to this call? 
And but you know, I went down there, and then uh, the lieutenant on scene also asked for our tower truck. And I heard they they were going. I was like, All right, this is serious. Yeah. So. So, Paul, when you were using the ladder truck and you were over the back of that garbage truck, and you're looking in there, and you say you saw just a piece of the cardboard moving. How optimistic were you at that point? Uh, I, I think for for myself and most of the guys in the public safety situation, it's just it's, it's you don't have time to think. You just react. You know, it's just like I saw, I saw something moving. I'm like, we got to get to this guy. I hopped in there. Those guys followed me right in, and we just started pulling cardboard. And as we're doing, uh, as we, we were doing that, um, you know, a lieutenant on scene, he was saying, what do you guys need? We're like, we need light. So they were getting the generator going, getting portable lights over to us. So everybody was doing something. You know, nobody was just standing there with their hands around. Um, even the police, they were helping. There was, there was a few officers on scene, including Sergeant Carlson. They were also helping because um, we had to get the ladder truck set up. So, you know, initially the three of us were in there pulling cardboard for, you know, like I said, probably close to an hour. And uh, it, it was cold, it was wet, it was compressed. So as we're pulling it, just tiny little pieces coming out. It it's wasn't unreal. It, it was di- it was difficult. It was challenging because we and we're also trying to not cause any further uh, collateral damage to the victim. Sure. You know, could you hear him? He well, he he was in shock. Um, he was in a very uh, peculiar position. Um, you know, from being crushed. You know, a couple times, and he he was he was moaning and groaning a little bit. You know, so mm. we we knew um, that he was. In, in a lot of pain and it was yeah, a serious bad. issue because yeah. you know sometimes when people are screaming on scene that, that's a little bit more that um, they're alive so to speak he, he wasn't saying much at all and for for you know the mechanism of injury that happened there you know that's substantial you know to happen so w- he wasn't you know screaming hysterical he was just kind of groaning and lean over so that's um, concerning, yeah. Very concerning. Yeah. And, and I was talking to him along with uh, the other guys. We were just trying to kind of talk him through. We're working on getting you out of here, you know, uh, so forth. So um, it was, uh, it, it was uh, challenging to get him out of that position. I was going to say, how long did this go on where you were on the scene trying to I think literally we, piece by piece? I think we were inside that truck you know, pulling cardboard for, it, it was a solid probably 45 minutes, oh, right. you know, for, for three of us doing it. So as there's different challenges that arose as we, <laughs> as we started doing this. So, you know, there's no, there's no textbook that, you sure. know, when they're in the fire academy or police academy that says, hey, if a guy gets crushed by a hydraulic piston, right. this is what you do, <laughs> right. you know? So it's just one of those like adapt and overcome the situation. So as we were pulling the cardboard, we had a little bit of a clear area that started filling up because there was so much cardboard. So those two guys are pulling cardboard. Then I started throwing it over the opposite side from where we had the other first responders to just get it out of the way because it just started becoming a problem getting in our way. So just different things came up as we were working on it, and we're just like, all right, let's 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 figure this out. Let's, let, we got to get this guy out of here. Our priority is to get him out without hurting him any further. So as we're pulling him, I think Captain Connerty and Lieutenant on scene were also trying to discuss what's the best way to get him out from how far down we were in the truck. Yeah, I was going to ask that, Captain, because you're standing back from the perspective of, you know, managing the scene in in some capacity. What was your biggest concern looking at it from that standpoint? You know, could this thing go further south? Um, Well, I knew that once they got him free that um, he could uh, lose all his blood pressure because he's he's been compacted now 
he could be bleeding out internally once they once all the pressure is off of them. So we, we needed to get all the equipment in there, but out of their way because it was it was a closed area. So um, we have the Stokes basket, which is the basket that we carried them in. We had that standing by, um, and then the harnesses to get to attach that to the tower. Um, you know, we had a, a, a regular backboard. All of these things, you know, while they were digging, uh, we were trying to get the, get them. Uh, you were preparing for different scenarios. Yeah, we were trying to get the next piece of equipment yeah. ready. Um, they started off using their, their flashlights, but then we brought lights, uh, corded lights from from the engine. Um, you know, all of the stuff that we have that we we don't use all the time. But we have it. I mean, we hardly ever use the Stokes. Right. Um, but but in this case, but that right. that's what we needed that day. So, at what point did you all realize, okay, we're making progress and we're getting to them? I mean, I, you know, when we were in the hole, there, we were just like, let's, the the main thing that I was focusing on with the other guys was let's get to a point we can get to them, because <laughs> I mean, there was so much cardboard around them and. I know that Captain Connery and I think Sergeant Carlson, they were having conversations with the driver of the truck because we were saying, okay, as we're pulling cardboard, we're having a difficult time right. getting it because it was wet. So what would it take to get the cardboard out from the back of the truck? Now the truck, I would say, was probably three-quarters full of cardboard, um, and he was at the you know most full end of that truck. Um, I believe the driver said that the only way to dump it was to lift the rear and the piston pushes everything out, which obviously that wouldn't be an option for us to do because it would just cause further damage. And if we picked the back of the truck up and started pulling cardboard from that end, it would have taken hours to get to them that way. So as we were still pulling, there was still some brainstorming going on on trying to figure out what's the best way to get this guy out of here. So, I mean, another issue we ran into is as we're pulling the cardboard, um, you know, because it was all compressed, and he was at the very bottom of the truck. It's moving. The cardboard above him, you know, we were trying to make sure it didn't spring load and collapse on him and cause any other further damage, you know. So there was a lot of uh, speed bumps along the way that we were just sure. working on as we go. I mean, even our ladder truck, initially when that crew came down, I think there was some issues getting the truck set up um, with some of the equipment. But so that's what my, excuse me, that's what I mean is like there was literally – Everybody was doing something to keep this moving in the forward direction so we could get them out of there as quickly as we could so we could get them to the hospital. So once um, you did get to him and you started to get him out of there, what so, was that like? So as we started to move him a little bit, you know, he, he was groaning more, obviously, because he's been stuck in this position for a little while. Um, we were able to get him on a backboard. Um, then the guys lowered the Stokes basket into us. We were able to get that in. So then... You know, again, we were trying to think of how we get him out of here because trying to pick him up over our head, it, it wasn't going to be safe for us or for him. Um, so what we ended up doing was uh, we set the ladder truck up behind the truck. You know, we put the basket right over it, and then it worked twofold because it gave us more light because there's lights under the basket. So the whole thing lit up, you know, so we, was, we were able to see better. It kind of shielded us a little bit from the snow coming in. Um, and we have harnesses underneath that, so we were able to hook, rig them into the Stokes basket, and then rig them to that, uh, to the to the bottom of the of the basket of the tower truck. So we literally used it similar to a crane. So the you know the, the ladder lifted, we brought him out. We had a tagline so he wasn't flying all over the place. And there's multiple eyes on this as this was going down. The police were watching. We you know so we didn't 
right. you know, shift hit anything, right. you know, so it was all uh, going in the right direction. So we ended up picking them up like a crane, bringing them out. And I mean, it was so, it was such a well-oiled operation for what was going on even before we started picking them up out of there. They had the ambulance, had the stretcher there ready. So we literally picked it up and he went right down on the stretcher That's and great. went right into the back of the truck. So, I mean, there was so much forward thinking of the next steps between Captain Connery, Sergeant Carlson, Lieutenant Fichel, that they were staying ahead while we were doing our thing inside the truck. They were staying ahead of, all right, what's the next step? And they were able to stay ahead of it. And it just, it just went, I, I don't think it could have gone any smoother for sure. the situation that, that, that happened. Well, and how was he doing at the time? He was uh, groaning more once he started getting into the truck because he started having heat on him so he could feel stuff because it was pretty cold out. He was numb, and he was crushed twice. So, um, I, I, I mean, I wasn't in the ambulance. Yeah. The ambulance crew took him up there, but they called for a trauma and took him to Leahy, and uh, there was probably 25 or 30 doctors there when they got there to bring him right in and check because, the, the, you know, the, the injury was severe. Do you know how he's doing now? Uh, last I heard, he was transferred to a rehab facility. Wow. To continue uh, rehabilitating his injuries. Man, is he lucky to be alive? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, looking back on this, you know, from your standpoint first, Sergeant. Yeah. Looking back on this, when you couldn't find him, you didn't know where the call was coming from initially, and you see what it turned into and how it resulted. What do you think, looking back on it? Uh, whenever, whenever somebody asks me about it, I say it's just like the old Rescue 911 TV show. It really is. You don't, you don't expect it to be you responding to that call. It's something you see on TV or hear about from someone who responded to it years ago. It was just, it was completely out of the ordinary for us. Uh, probably one of those one of those calls that when you look back at the end of a 30-year career, it's going to stick out in the forefront. I mean, it makes your, you know, when you hear the details of it, it makes your stomach almost turn to think of what this would be like dealing with this from your perspective, but also the victim's perspective yeah I, I can't imagine what was going through the victim's mind as as he laid in the garbage in the back of a garbage truck for over two hours what do you guys think from a fire department standpoint you know looking back on this and how it all worked out you know say the rescue went just as well as it could I, I think the fortunate thing for first responders is that we have the ability to empathize with people you know, so thinking oh, this guy is in a horrible situation, like we got to get him out. If that was one of us or some, if that was our family member, if that was anybody that we knew personally or whether it wasn't, you know, that's the whole thing is I think we, it's our job. That's what we signed up to do. I mean, this, you know, it's not, you know, when I heard it was a trash truck on my head as I'm driving, there, I'm like, I got to jump into a pile full of trash right now. <laughs> I'm like, this is not, this is not going to be fun, but it is what it is. You know, yeah. we, when it's time to go to work, it's time to go to work. So. Um, I was very thankful when we came across and it was a recycling truck, <laughs> you know, instead of uh, instead of actual <laughs> trash. A very different <laughs> scenario. You know, I was trying to look at the good of the situation, yeah. like, all right, at least it's cardboard and not other things. I mean, if that happened to be a construction dumpster or something, I yeah. mean, it's uh, he could have been impaled by stuff that was in there because we actually, as we were pulling cardboard, um, you know, they ship pallets sometimes and there's wood under it. And right. They throw. We were pulling some pieces of wood we were in there, so. I mean, it's fortunate that, that, you know, he didn't puncture a lung, anything with, with that stuff that was in there. So, it, you know, as bad as it was, it could have been worse, you know. So, Captain, from your perspective, you know, seeing, planning it out and, and trying to be ready for any case scenario, <laughs> what stands out to you now? Um, you can't plan that scenario out. You, you take bits and pieces of everything that you know 
Um, we, we didn't, you know, like Paul said, they don't teach you how to dig someone out of a cardboard dumpster. Um, it's just the situation that was presented, we took a certain skill and and applied it. And uh, then we had we had other skills and, and other tools, the tower truck, um, all all of, everything just came together. Like I said, you can't plan for that situation, but you take bits and pieces of everything. And I, you know, when it was all said and done, I'm thinking, all right, this guy made a 911 call, and if he didn't make that 911 call. Mm-hmm. It would be over for him. Well, that's what I keep thinking about. And, but every every step after after that, he was just fortunate. You know, the the police being able to ping the phone and then locating the truck, and then us getting down there and then just just throwing everything we had at it to to get him out. Well, thank goodness you guys did what you all did, and thank goodness you all the police department did what you needed to do because um, had you given up on that call who knows what we can talk about right so cannot thank you all enough for what you all do in our community i know the folks of uh, burlington certainly appreciate all your work for the fire department and the police department so thank you so much that is this episode of first on scene biggest thanks to sergeant thomas carlson with the burlington police department captain andrew connerty with burlington fire and firefighter paul cadillac who certainly made a world of difference in this man's life, and they make a world of difference every single day. Thanks for listening to this episode of First on Scene. First on Scene is a production of Boston 25 News. It's hosted by me, Blair Miller. The show is produced and edited by Dalton Maine. Music is provided by Killer Tracks. Special thanks this episode to Sergeant Thomas Carlson, Captain Andrew Connerty, Firefighter Paul Cadillac, and both the Burlington Police and Fire Departments. Thanks to firefighters for just being ready to jump into a pile of trash. And dispatchers for calling back over and over. You can listen to the show on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can read more about these stories at boston25.com slash first on scene. Thanks for listening.